and today we're going to continue the discussion uh, that originally started with consideration of wrong views, Michaditi, from the page uh, from puredhamma.net, uh, Michaditi Gandaba and the Sotapanna stage. And um, thank you for giving me the about page link here that gives me a sense of who this fellow is. And so the, the previously unidentified Sri Lankan sage or scholar, um, yogi, his name is Lal Aryaratne, Aryaratna Penaduwage, Penaduwage. And he's Sri Lankan, and Sri Lankan names are like that. So, Lal Aryaratna Penaduwage. And um, he said he was a senior scientist at Oak Ridge National Laboratory, uh, University, of Tech, University of Tennessee, and so he's a scientist. And he said, uh, even though he's a Buddhist by birth from Sri Lanka, I didn't really practice until retired. And um, so he has a very well-trained mind very um, orderly, uh, strong analytical skill, uh, careful, uh, deliberate, uh, not driven by emotion. <clears throat> and so uh, we have to thank, thank him, uh, Lal Aryaratna Penaduage. Aryaratna, Arya means noble one, and that it ultimately come it's the same as the, the, the you know Nazis use of the term Ari Aryan that basically is a term for the people who came down from Tibet <laughs> in the last ten thousand years after Atlantis in and populated northern India. They were called Aryans. <clears throat> and um, Ratna is a jewel. Um, similar to um, Mani like a mani stone, Om Mani Padma, meaning gem lotus. Padma is lotus. Mani is a gem or jewel. Ratna is about the same. So Arya Ratna is sort of like the the um, noble jewel, noble uh, gem, G-E-M. Arya Ratna, when well, that's a Buddhist name he was given, I assume. So <clears throat> uh, I sent the link about him, the About Me page, and um, it's interesting, and he did a great job here. So we, we went from the first discussion of Michaditi, or Wrong Views, uh, to a discussion of one um, aspect, one of the wrong views associated with rejection of uh, the view or the reality of an afterlife for human beings, which is called uh, Paraloa, is the realm <clears throat> or the Gandaba state, which is basically after death for human or interbirth, interlife, uh, which from Western metaphysical traditions is called uh, going onto the astral plane and going through um, life review, healing life review and preparation for the next one. And I explained some of my differences or opinions that are distinct, different or opposite even of his, which are more strictly Buddhist view that there's a <clears throat> the Buddhist view is is pretty much that the human after birth um, is of has limited time generally um, in the interbirth phase and comes back into incarnation 
significantly drawn by desire um, and is kind of on their own and it's a little bit, it looks to me again like a wandering ghost phase but I don't think that's actually the whole story and so there's much that that Gautama didn't talk about in terms of the quote afterlife cosmology uh, or the metaphysics of afterlife process because it wasn't relevant And, and I think this discussion of the human being in the Gandhava state, in the Paraloa or astral intermediate phase, is limited um, because it wasn't important for Gautama to explain all of the after-death process, particularly the the pleasures or happiness of the of the upper astral. I mean, upper astral plane existed then, and 2,500 years ago, as today, there may not have been astral cities, but uh, things were quite wonderful on higher astral planes then too, but the teaching here is to help beings break attachment to um, reincarnation, not to um, you know detail the um, the uh, the minutia of the process after death, or the benefits or or the you know attractions of the of the upper astral. So anyway, <clears throat> we went through this list of ten wrong views. Of which you know the, they're basically materialism, or existential and moral nihilism, and that leads into a discussion now where we're in the middle of ten immoral actions. The second page, dasa, akusala, akusala, dasa meaning ten, akusala means not kusala means not skillful, not beneficial, or not moral, and. It's not so much different than the Ten Commandments, except there's no discussion of God and sin and punishment. However, there is karmic consequence. From the first section, we could see what are the ten, and Buddhism divides them, divides many things uh, up into categories. So we have immoral action or wrong action, done with mind, done with speech, done with body, <clears throat> and those of mind are the three poisons, more or less. Uh, greed, or intense desire, ill will, or hatred, or strong aversion, and Michaditi itself. <laughs> so, the ten wrong views are considered one of the ten wrong actions. And later, finally, we'll get to a page um, about Sotapanna, or first stage awakening in Buddhism, how the Sotapanna or that one, the one that achieves that, has broken wrong views thoroughly and um, dispensed with doubt <clears throat> about Buddhist teaching as well. Uh, the Dhamma, Buddha Dhamma, uh, is not doubted by the person who's made that penetration. So we have three immoral acts, three categories of problem making for self and other done by mind, which are basically attitudes of grasping aversion, and materialist wrong view, in many ways. Um, And we'll see more about that. Immoral acts done with speech, which we talked about as forms of wrong speech, lying, slandering, which really means malicious talk, harsh speech, which means rough and uh, uh, unpleasant to the ear speech, and frivolous talk or idle chatter. And uh, I don't think that any of us are heavy in the ten wrong actions, but we have some, and there are ever deeper levels of understanding 
or self-training uh, in these uh, in the avoidance of these activities of mind, speech, and body that are ultimately harmful. <laughs> the purpose of morality is to stop hurting yourself. Basically, <laughs> you don't hurt others because it's not nice to hurt people. However, it's it's worse for you. You hurt them. You can say that there there is some karmic deservedness for them. Yeah, okay. And you're going to suffer even more too. So, self-interest runs the show until uh, the being is free of selfhood or free of illusory selfhood, much far down the line or or in advance of where we are, generally actually six and seven density. But self-interest is okay. (laughs) One can be a good person and know that that's good for me to be a good person, but I like being a good person. And he's going to talk about that shift in mind uh, down the page here from a kind of uh, shallow self-interest to a deeper self-interest or a more shallow self-interest based morality to a more natural of effortless morality uh, that comes from a deeper understanding of um, karma and reincarnation actually and and the way the mind is finally immoral acts done with body killing or stealing killing and stealing and then sexual misconduct of, of any form and he writes here also excessive sense pleasures and so again uh, he's getting his training from his teacher who we could uh, look at later uh, and so he was given a deeper understanding of Buddhist teachings by uh, his teacher in Sri Lanka that has a certain perspective from his teacher and lineage in Sri Lanka and that also leads to an understanding, a deeper level analysis of, of any teaching. So that sexual misconduct as one of the, you know, ten immoral actions, meaning hurting yourself with, hurting self and other by sex, uh, also means um, the sex, the sexuality of sensual attachment itself, sexual pleasure itself, you know, so not hurting oneself sexually or hurting self and other by sexuality is resonant with not hurting yourself by overeating (laughs) or overdrinking or oversleeping or any kind of uh, overindulgence in seeking um, the, you know, the the kind of quasi-sexual pleasure of uh, physical sense pleasure or physical, you know, sensuality, sensuality as sexuality all body sensuality, including eating and sleeping and drinking, as a form or akin to sexuality. Yes, for sure. And so there are ever deeper levels of understanding um, of these ten immoral acts or unhelpful ways in mind and body, you know, in body, mind, and speech. So we ended last time actually down the page at point number five to review uh, point number four you know this is um i i I noticed the views are a little lower on these talks this one uh, view action path in buddha dhamma uh this this is really nitty-gritty um buddhist teaching theory and practice and um it's it's only for people who really want to get um very intensive uh, examination of uh, Buddhist principles. 
and so <clears throat> it's not easy uh, material and there are a lot of terms and there are a lot of principles and there are a lot of connections uh, point four he indicates that Michaditi, um, meaning um, the ten wrong views that we talked about before he summarizes he says they're basically not comprehending the basic characteristics of this world or 31 realms or we can say the octave seven dimensions not comprehending the nature of the octave <laughs> of creation and <clears throat> he uh, summarizes and says because of the ignorance of the complete worldview or ignorance of true worldview one is likely to have three main wrong worldviews and so there's uh, and I'll just give you the list one is everything has sprung without a cause two good and bad produce no effect three there's no afterlife and <clears throat> causelessness means there is no um, it's really inter uh, no multi-incarnational causality I mean I think that any materialist will say yes if you drop your cup it'll fall to the ground based on gravity that's a cause and that's an effect but the the occurrence of, of life conditions that can't be explained by what I consciously did in this lifetime is a multi-incarnational karma karmic flow and you know cause effect that's certainly rejected by the materialist <laughs> and most people really I mean, they say, I'm not lucky in love. Many, I've seen girls say this many, I'm not lucky in love. Oh, okay. <clears throat> He's lucky, I'm not lucky. It's about luck. It has nothing to do with your action. It has nothing to do, you didn't create it. The notion you create your own reality, <clears throat> it's, um, it's not uh, thoroughly understood <laughs> by uh, everybody or anybody, actually. And so, human 3D repeater mind is very careful uh, or is very um, uh, treats causality gingerly you know is very wary of accepting and considering causality the 3d repeater mind or the mind that of a materialist has very limited willingness to consider causality uh, certainly because there's no, they have a view that there's no prior life and no afterlife. Uh, but humanity, I would say, as a whole, is still very conflicted, <laughs> and conflicted about the issue of causality. And number two, the notion, this, this other main wrong worldview, good and bad produce no effect, similar. Many people don't even know what good and bad means or have relativized morality so much so that they can't actually, they, they would say there is no good and bad. And good and bad, uh, because it's so heavily influenced by religious you know, dogmatism and superstition and this threat that you're going to get punished, uh, God is angry at you, uh, many people throw the whole thing out and uh, meaning they become amoral or they don't even acknowledge there is morality because it's such a confused discussion or the history of human presentation of morality is so confused so Orion did a great job and the human negative human leadership has done a great job to 
uh, damage human mind, damage human reason, um, and link morality with dogmatism or superstition or um, social control, religious organization. I mean, humanity is very, <laughs> very much um, working with a, a stacked deck here or a, a um, fixed deck uh, of options in life uh, where you where spirituality is available which is commonly called religions um, is itself so distorted <clears throat> they're so distorted in their presentation of cosmology or God and purpose and morality and cause, cause, of, cause and effect uh, that, that smarter people or intellectual people just turn away generally because of the, the contradictions and things then the third main wrong worldview, there's no afterlife, which is again, you know, existential nihilism. And most people really believe that, surprisingly. So the new material starts with number five. And I won't go to everything he says, some of its review, but I think this is so important uh, for those who care, <laughs> who don't mind, uh, that I don't mind reviewing again and again the same ground because. Uh, you know, we, we have a problem here. <laughs> We're living in a world um, where the institutions are generally both corrupt and profoundly ignorant. If you hadn't noticed, uh, all of them, <laughs> all human institutions are generally quite ignorant and quite corrupt. Not all, but most or many uh, and if you want universal truth, uh, there are not so many sources that I uh, would recommend. So, do what you like, but uh, most people stay with, you know, they take the crowd as their teacher, as Heraclitus said, and end up um, thinking no further than the very distorted teachings they're given by human institutions, teachings or information. So, anyway, number five, he goes on, if someone has these worldviews, meaning the wrong worldview, the ten michiditi, one is likely to carry out immoral acts and acquire kamavipaka, which means cause-effect or, ka or karmic load, that will lead to rebirth in the apayas, the lower four realms, and at some point, at some point in the future, meaning in their future rebirths. And the four lower realms are animal, hell, Hungry ghost, uh, or human. <laughs> I'm not sure how he's divided the four, but generally below the human is animal. And again, I don't think that humans go into animal bodies that often, frankly. And then hell realm, which is a lower astral. And then hungry ghost, which is called preta or peta. And um, again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a third to a half of humanity experienced that um, hell, lower astral, or hungry ghost wandering after death. 50% uh, to 30 to a third of humanity um, dies unwell and has some bad time after uh, incarnation. Not forever, but it's not unusual at all. And again, he um, summarized the ten michaditi. They're saying there are ten such specific wrong views or michaditi, sometimes just called diti, um, meaning views. View such view that no such thing as uh, views such that there's no karmic benefit in giving, 
that paying back debts for what others have done to you is, is not valuable, that there are no benefits to respect noble ones and yogis with magical powers, or that there's nobody with magical powers, or nobody knows better than me, which is what many people believe. Kama vipaka, or kama cause effect, or karmic benefits of taking care of mother and father, or appreciating mother and father. Many people, you know, enjoy hating their parents, actually. <laughs> or um, um, don't see the importance of resolving uh, parental relationships, even if the parents are, are, are awful. Um, to move toward forgiveness and understanding or considering um, why <laughs> why have I even why am I even with them people you see if people have no view that there's no car there's no there are no past lives there's no um, consequence or result of moral or immoral activity uh, then things just happen it just stuff happens shit happens man and therefore I just ended up with these parents by bad luck and therefore, it's okay if I hate them or um, treat them badly. Some people, I mean, I don't think most people are this way, but Buddhism understands mother-father as very important people in our lives. Uh, number seven, the, the view that is the world does not exist, <laughs> which only some very hardcore material nihilists hold. Paraloa or birth, you know, life after the physical doesn't exist. O Papatika birth, instant full form birth in realms other than the human and animal doesn't happen, according to the view, and that's a very specific kind of view. And then finally, there are no noble ones and yogis existing who can see past lives. So we, we went through that already. It's, again, the materialist perspective, uh, but it's not a little matter that most people have most people hold to many of these views and uh, the materialist will say they're right and the spiritualist will say they're wrong the buddhist will say they're wrong uh, but right or wrong which you can figure out by yourself uh, most people really have a materialist worldview and that's um it took me decades to recognize that clearly and realize that that's a very important matter even though I knew it or sensed it, to articulate it and explicitly consider it um, is is important and uh, a step beyond simply sensing that they're you know people don't seem to see life the way I do, which is common for wanderers to experience that indeed uh, I'm all alone here. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, this helps us understand uh, the collective consciousness around us. Number six, what is akusala, meaning um, immoral or not beneficial, not kusala, not not uh, skillful or supportive. What is akusala or in you know not beneficial is to hold niyata michaditi or established wrong views. And so there's a further differentiation here. Uh, regarding how tightly a person holds these views. And he goes on, i.e. one is not even prepared to consider, say, that there's a rebirth process. And he says, um, he wrote, thus if one has unwavering doubts about any of the ten categories one is said to have established wrong view, it really means, I think his, his English is mistaken here, 
if one has no further doubt uh, and has no doubt at all about these wrong views, meaning they hold these views uh, without any willingness to consider that they're mistaken, <laughs> that the view may be wrong, that somebody else knows better, that there are other views that are more true to reality than theirs, which are materialist. If somebody's in that um, established wrong view, or I would say confirmed uh, and um, uh, unwavering certainty, unwavering adherence to a world, to one of these wrong views, to these wrong views, then the person um, is going to have trouble after death. What happens to the person after death who is firmly convinced, who is absolutely sure in their own mind? that there's no afterlife. What happens to them? Well, they don't do too well after death, actually. So what happens to the confirmed, convicted, <laughs> convicted materialist? They have conviction. The convicted materialist is con is convinced with conviction that, they, that their materialist views are true. And so, in reality. What happens after death? They don't do well. <laughs> And so he goes on, the key point is that when one has established wrong views, meaning certainty, you know, <clears throat> uh, subjective certainty that these materialist, nihilist views are correct, one looks at the world differently without realizing that there are consequences for one's actions. Meaning, again, in, in a multi-incarnational view, not just this life. They would acknowledge causality, perhaps, right? Drop the cup, it falls. But... Uh, <clears throat> we're talking about long-term consequences. Without a Buddha explaining the true nature of the world, uh, rebirth process, life in other realms, uncountable number of planetary systems like Earth, etc., one would not be aware of that fact. Well, not only Buddha, but <laughs> Mahavira and uh, Shankara <laughs> and Nityananda and the raw material and uh, all sorts of other fellows. So the Buddhists don't necessarily give credence or give proper credit to other teachers and teachings but there have been more than a few that have per offered humanity um, you know a, a more holistic uh, transpersonal or physical metaphysical worldview uh, than not only Buddhism anyway he goes on uh, as scientists are finding out there are many things in nature that we do not experience or understand Scientists can only account for 4% of the mass of the universe. They can't account for the rest. One needs to keep an open mind and learn more Dhamma to see whether all these make sense. So, personally, I couldn't care less about human scientists because um, <laughs> they're just, they're late to the party. But many people um, trust them as a, you know, a voice of uh, truth and reason. Uh, but indeed, one, one ought to keep an open mind and see for yourself what's true, what makes sense. Number seven, the only akusala completely removed by Sotapanna, which is where we'll go in future weeks here, is, is the Michaditi, meaning the ten wrong views. So Sotapanna um, enters the stream that leads to complete and perfect enlightenment, and it's a very big deal, actually. Um, Gautama said, uh, and there's a sutta down the line here, that um, the 
the amount of or intensity of defilements in the mind of Sotapanna or the person who's made that breakthrough, the, the, the degree or intensity of their defilements, meaning distortions, seven ray distortions, is, quote, next to nothing compared to those before Sotapanna, meaning Sotapanna breaks a heavy, a very heavy barrier, very much akin to the diaphragm, <laughs> very much akin to um, a certain linkage between root and crown chakras and um, akin to the uh, some aspect of the consciousness of higher self. The energy, it's a resonance between sixth chakra and second, I would say, associated with a contact with intelligent infinity, uh, a real breakthrough, uh, whereby lots of wrong views are gone and lots of interest in the activity that leads to hurting ourselves is gone. The interest in grasping an aversion uh, in unskillful ways, in ways that hurt self and other, in any significant limit, you know, the, the Satipana still has attachment and we'll go on later with uh, seeing more about that, but it's a major breakthrough and a major offloading of distortion, defilement, karmic load um, that leads, Gautama said, in seven lifetimes or less, to complete and perfect awakening, complete and perfect uh, enlightenment. So it's a very big deal. Uh, so, but this this notion that Satipana, the only um, unhelpful or immoral action, is the action of mind associated with holding the ten wrong views, meaning one of the ten wrong, you know, immoral actions. Uh, this case associated with, associated with mind, the third one above, which is Mitraditi, which is ten basic views that are materialist or nihilist. So, <clears throat> all right. He goes on, as explained there in this other page, actually, what is the only Akusala removed by Sotapanna, which we'll go to next, not today, but uh, after today. As explained there on that other page, an unimaginably, unimaginably huge amount of defilements is removed at Sotapanna stage, just via getting rid of Michaditi, uh, and I would say making a certain breakthrough from the lower triad to the upper four chakras. Uh, just getting rid of Michaditi, or that is a consequence, mainly through comprehension of Anicca Anatta Dukkha, Anicca Dukkha Anatta. So, I'm reading him a little freely here, but um, the breakthrough of first stage awakening in Buddhism, called Sotapanna, enter the stream, um, even though it doesn't lead, it doesn't, you know, the person is not magically um, super, you know, totally honest, totally loving, totally good, totally immoral, or whatever that means, you know, totally harmless, totally ahimsa, no, no, but uh, wrong views are thrown off. So, and we'll get into that more when we get into that other page. Number eight, he says, a lot of you may be thinking, how do I know all this is true? Is there any evidence for the existence of rupa, arupa lokas, apayas, or hell, or spontaneous birth? So, apayas as hell, um, there are four levels of the hells in Buddhism, I guess, but there's also uh, preta, or animal, you know, preta, hungry ghost realm, or phase you know, after death. But in any case, 
holding wrong views very tightly, conviction, uh, subjective conviction that materialist, uh, existential nihilist, moral nihilist perspectives or views are correct, true, and it's done. Conviction that that's all true very much um, sets one up for suffering after death. Not eternal suffering, but suffering. And it depends on the karma and the person and this and that, but it depends on how tightly they hold these views. So he says, uh, uh, how do I know it's all true? He goes on, this is just his thing. There are a lot of things we do not know about this world. We cannot rely on just science to confirm or verify these. Only within the last 50 years or so, uh, it's only within the last 50 years or so that science has accepted that our world is bigger than a few galaxies. Now science has confirmed that there are billions of galaxies. Ooh, wow, that's great. Whereas Gautama, Buddha, stated that chakravata, chakra means wheel, or like the, the, the wheel of a cha- of an energy center, chakravata, star systems or planetary systems, come into existence all the time, right? They're being created from intelligent infinity. Science has confirmed that only within the last hundred, uh, has confirmed that only within the past hundred years. Furthermore, the newest findings yet unconfirmed in string theory indicate that we live in an 11-dimensional world, not the four-dimensional world that we experience. And then he has another page. But again, science is really... <laughs> I look at them as sort of retarded. <clears throat> but Because com- they're, they're just confirming what sages knew 5,000 years ago, <laughs> at best. And many of them materi- are materialists, by the way. Number nine, it's easy to see that all immoral deeds start out as mano-sankara, bad thoughts, meaning um, distorted mental patterns in the mind, as or any of the vachi-sankara, speech, or kaya, body, shankara, bodily actions. So anything done by speech and body are done with greed, meaning uh, from... Uh, distortions in mind. He said, this is where you get Buddhist dogmatism, moralism. He's saying, any of the speech or bodily actions are done with greed, hate, or not knowing the true nature of the world, ignorance. Some degree. It means, you know, it's like, I'm not not fully enlightened, but my speech is not done uh, through a heavy degree of greed, hate, and ignorance. It's some degree of that. But indeed, it's true. (laughs) <laughs> to the degree that the mind has distortion, so too will speech and physical behavior. In particular, uh, the basis for moral behavior comes out of the correct worldview. And uh, that's, the, that's the, the money line here, which is, in general, Earth humanity um, uh, performs or has a commitment to or, or appreciation of what we would call moral action, moral behavior, which really is harmlessness, ahimsa, generally from spiritual view. And if indeed spiritual view is right view and materialist, nihilist view is wrong view, um, there is an unfortunate association between that sense of wrong view and this and a sense of immoral action or um, a willingness to hurt others (laughs) a willingness to uh, do anything whatever it takes as they say 
uh, all options on the table uh, to get what I want with no eye towards long-term consequences upon me for what I'm doing to you. Uh, because they don't think that there are, is a long-term. <laughs> Materialist worldview is the, is the epitome of short-term thinking. The epitome of short-term thinking, um, or the uh, essential basis of short-term thinking, is materialist worldview or existential nihilism, meaning there's nothing more than physical. He goes on. The fact that there's no discernible beginning to life means all of us have been going through this rebirth process for an unimaginably long time. Thus, we have been born in most of the 31 realms of existence. That's a Buddhist view I don't quite agree with, although if you talk about a seven-dimensional self, you can say that the higher levels, a higher, you know, higher self of seven-dimensional self, definitely is, is, in the, is, is in our Rupa Loka too, or right now, late sixth density. So that's the we. You know, it's a question of who's the we. Gautama didn't get into that so fully because it's not relevant uh, to to analyze the uh, nitty-gritty of, of um, identity um, when beings are living in a burning house and suffering. He goes on, not only that, that we've been born in most of the 31 realms or we exist, you know, throughout the, the creation... Not only that, we've been born innumerable times in each of those realms, except the realm that's reserved for the anagamis. Anagami means non, non-returner, meaning uh, higher self and seventh density. But again, the question is we. What, who, who is the we we're talking about? <laughs> so, going on. The above fact means each sentient being had been related to any other sentient being at some point in this long samsara rebirth process, Buddha said, it is difficult to find any sentient being that was not your father, mother, or sibling at some point in this long samsara. Samsara is a cycle of birth and death. And so he goes on, infinity is a concept that is hard to grasp. (laughs) You can say that infinity is a reality that is ungraspable. (laughs) The reality of infinity is transconceivable, inconceivable, beyond conceptual grasping, obviously. Uh, so infinity is reality. Reality is infinity. You know, form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. So says the uh, Heart Sutra, and that's very true, actually. So Ra said, "You're not living in a material universe. You're dancing thoughts." Same, same as form is emptiness. So uh, this view that every being around me was my father and my mother and my sibling doesn't really appeal to me personally. <laughs> it doesn't really ring my bell or uh, pull my heartstrings, uh, my sense personally is um, I know that if I harm others, I'm harming self. It's no doubt for me for that. I know. And so I don't want to hurt you like I don't want to hurt me, period. I don't want pain. So causing your pain is causing my pain is pain. And that's the end of that. So I don't need to remember that you were, you know, my mother or father or something. And that, that just doesn't appeal to me. It's a sort of child mind thinking. Um, and I think it's a, little, it's a little of a stretch metaphysically, frankly. Going on, he talks about another book uh, from science, uh, David Deutsch, Grasping uh, Infinity. Going on, <clears throat> therefore we, meaning not only us humans, but all sentient beings, are connected or related to each other. That's why it's wrong to kill any living being. 
steal from anyone, verbally abuse anyone. This is the basis of morality. This is why it is not good to do any of the ten immoral acts, because in this view here, we're all connected or related. Uh, I don't have the same perspective. I think that the outer and the inner is one field. The self and the other is one life. What you do, the so-called outer and other, you're doing to the one life which includes you. So the reality of unity, to me, is the basis of morality or avoidance of the ten, uh, you know, dasa akusala. The reality that what I do, I'm always doing to me in some way because I am in this one field of life where inner outer is one life, one field. That's the basis of morality to me. And and the, the reality that you cannot perfect the ten, the ten you know, the... the the seven chakras, um, doing harm <laughs> or living in ignorance. It just can't done, you know. The only way to, to absolute freedom is ahimsa, period, harmlessness. That's it. I mean, how else could it be? <laughs> so to me, that's, that's the basis of morality. Going on, I wanna, I'm going to close this page uh, today, I hope. Intention is an important factor. In fact, intention is critical in understanding the karmic consequences of activity with mind and speech and body, particularly speech and body or behavior. Uh, he goes on, point one. The Buddha said, Chetana ham bikave kamman vadami. Chetana ham bikave, bikave means uh, bhikkhus, monks. Kaman means kama. Vadami um, is intention. So he says, because I say that kama is intention. Chetana is in actually. Chetana, I think, is intention. Uh, it basically is saying that intention, the nature of intention, is um, the the true nature, or intention is the true nature of karmic karma and karma karmic formation. And he goes on. We always need to look at intention to pinpoint whether or what kind of kama was created or committed, actually, again, knowing the, the wholeness, the fullness of um, uh, karmic consequences of any activity, effects from any cause that we produce in thought and, my, thought and word and deed, it's beyond us, but we can get some sense of it. He goes on, let us take an example. If someone shoots a dog that is attacking a child, One's intention there is to save the child. On the other hand, if someone is shooting a dog for target practice, then there is no excuse. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> meaning there's no positive intentionality to it other than I have fun killing an animal and um, I want to improve my aim at its expense. The life of a human is... A, and this is... A, vegans don't like this stuff, but... The life of a human is millionfold more precious than that of an animal. And there is another section here called How to Evaluate Different Weights or Evaluate Weights of Different Kama or Evaluate uh, Comic Weighting, the weight of Kama, the relative weight of comic consequence, karma, karmic load or result. Um, it's a very subtle discernment, that matter. He goes on, sometimes it is not possible to judge comic consequences just by looking at the particular act. Only the person committing the act will know whether it is a good or bad intention. Thus, normally it is not wise to judge other people's actions. Um, I would say that 
it's always impossible to fully understand uh, comic consequences by looking at the act <laughs> unless you're fully enlightened. Unless you're fully enlightened, it is always impossible to totally, purely, accurately judge karmic consequences of anybody's act ever. <laughs> so let's not be, you know, let, let's be realis realistic about our ignorance, right? We are profoundly ignorant, if you hadn't noticed. Uh, and you can say, speak for yourself. Well, I speak for myself. Yes, I'm profoundly ignorant. And if you think you're profoundly wise, um, um, I-S-M-H, as they say, shake my head. So, uh, actually, the reality is we never fully know the whole of intentionality nor consequential, you know, causal effects of any particular activity. In a common-minded view, obviously... It's true, of course, unless you can see clearly the mind of others, which is possible to some degree. There is something called intuition, and there are those who have highly uh, purified vision to know the mind of others or to know intentionality in real time. Uh, and there are seers who can see karmic consequentiality fully too. But generally... Um, when a person does something, we can't really be sure, we're not really sure of their intentions. We may know some, but we don't know it all. But the reality is, you know, for him to say, um, uh, only the person committing the act will know whether it's good or bad intention. Absolutely not. <laughs> Normally, uh, people, I think, don't even know their own intentions. <laughs> Normally, I mean, I think he, he overestimates uh, humanity. Normally, people don't even know the, the full range of their intentions. Often, people are driven by emotional um, need or an emotional urge to act or speak, meaning behavior and speech. So, <laughs> it, normally it's not wise to judge other people's actions. I would say it's really never wise to judge their action, but it is wise to seek to understand. And it is wise to realize that you can understand more, and it's wise to understand that you can't fully understand. And it's okay to discern, and it's okay to differentiate, so long as we have a sense that the differentiation or discernment of, of function, activity, is not the same as their uh, true worth and their true identity, right? Ross said, self is a being of infinite worth, meaning we are beingness of infinite worth. Yet, in time and space, our functions of love, wisdom, activity of fourth ray, fifth ray, and the relative degree of morality, purity, or, you know, the, the relative contribution of fourth ray and fifth ray, which is called love, wisdom, which is the basis of morality, uh, is different for every person, in every act, in every case, and one rule, one size does not, a fit, does not apply or fit all. And it's, it, the totality of knowing is really beyond us, but some knowing is possible, but we should be careful. But um, even the person that does uh, hardcore evil essentially is God too, or is an expression of the Logos or one infinite creator too. So the, the you know, infinite worth of true identity is distinct from um, 
a careful and I think very important assessment of the relative morality of activity of any one being at any one time. Yeah, really, really, it's important. I mean, if somebody who says, I'm just doing this for your own good. Well, are you sure he's not a sadist? <laughs> are you sure he doesn't get some pleasure from hurting you or the other? Well, it's important to look in. But indeed, uh, we know very little. It's uh, important not to assume you know, but to, be, to acknowledge what you think, what you believe you know, and then look further to be sure how clear your view really is. Finally, if it is a mano-sankara, meaning bad thought, which really means distorted mental pattern, the only person who even knows about that is the one who's committing it. No, <laughs> actually. Um, the person who's committing it generally doesn't know it either. I mean, <laughs> this you see, some of this he heard from his teacher and is simply repeating and hasn't thought deeply himself on it. That's my uh, judgmentalism, meaning... Um, if you simply take what you're given without digesting it, you don't make it your own, and you miss some things because, you know, even great teachers are not Buddhas, and they don't have infinite perspective. And we may know things that great teachers don't know. They're not necessarily... Uh, it's not that, that, that um, we're beyond them in overall evolution at all, but even beings like Ra, right? They came down, and uh, look what they did in, with the Giza pyramid and the and the trainings that were offered to adepts of the time. They totally screwed up. They wouldn't do it again. That's a pretty good indication that it's quote mistake, no mistake in the law of one, right? But they wouldn't do it again. Hmm. I wonder why. Obviously, because the consequences were not to their liking. So even then, late sixth density being, um, how long? Thirty five hundred years ago. It's not a lot of time, you know. They didn't know that the negativity and the distortions of humanity at that time would totally pervert, co-opt, and, and make bad and ill uh, the great offering they made of the pyramid and adept training. They didn't know. I guess they didn't. How could that be? I don't know. <laughs> it looks like a pretty damn big blind spot to me. So they don't even, their intentions are good, yeah. Um, but they are absolutely um, blind in some cases. They may be. Looks to me. And uh, who the hell am I? But I could see that. I can see it now in hindsight. I guess what? They couldn't see it before? I mean, it seems easy. It looks like they weren't looking enough. Anyway, uh, the point is that, that karma, karma is formed significantly by intention, not simply the material activity of particularly body act, behavior, and speech, but those are important too. And yes, indeed, we really can't know the mind of others fully, but we can know a bit, and you may know something that nobody else knows. And nobody else agrees with you, and everybody thinks you're wrong, but you, in fact, may know it, and no one else around you does. In fact, even great teachers may not know something you know. How about that? Ho, ho. So, don't, don't, don't uh, put yourself down. You know, mind is Buddha, said the great Chinese Chan masters. Anyway, number two, in many cases, it is possible for others to see when one is committing vachi or kaya sankara, vachi voice, kaya body, samkara is a, the fourth skanda, sam, sam, samskara, which means basically um, 
complex activity, fashioned activity of voice and body behavior. Meaning, um, it is possible for others to see, maybe other people may see, when we're committing what would be considered immoral or unskillful speech and body behavior action. But not always, he goes on, of course. <laughs> Disciplinary actions against a child by a parent may appear to be samkara or kaya sankara spanking, meaning wrong action by body, meaning violence against a child, or vachi sankara, verbal threats, uh, meaning screaming at the child, or wrong action by, by speech, wrong action by behave, physical action, by physical behavior, like spanking or yelling at the child. He writes, but the parent is likely to have good intentions for the child in most cases. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> in Sri Lanka, maybe. <clears throat> in the West, I think that a lot of parents are very unfit to be parents. That's why they're parents, of course, karmically, because they're unfit, and there's certain things they need to learn. And they end up with a child or a soul as a child who, uh, for various reasons, uh, wishes to have the catalyst of... Um, Inadequate parents, inadequate parenting from souls that are immature and not quite ready to be parents. It's a pretty damn big job to be a parent, actually. At least in this world, where things are so distorted and so much negativity. I mean, I have a lot of respect for people who become parents, even though they don't normally know what they're doing. Meaning, most parents are not parents by consciousness, you know, deliberately. They just, you know, had sex and got some, and she got pregnant. Generally, that's how it goes. So... Uh, I wouldn't say, I, I don't know if the parent is likely to have good intentions, but at some level, yeah. At some level, the parent who, you know, beats the child, I guess, you can say, thinks they're doing a good thing for the child. Um, but I would <laughs> prevent them from doing it if I was there, and I think that's pretty wrong action to me. So, you know, there's this guy's own perspective from his teacher in Sri Lanka who grew up in a culture where parents were quite a bit different than they are in the West. Going on, also in many cases, it's not possible for any person to advise or advise another on what to do when conflicting issues are involved. Is it okay to steal some food to feed one's own kids when they're crying in hunger? Is it okay to spank a child when the child is misbehaving? Only the parent can make that decision based on circumstances. Maybe. <laughs> only the parent will make that decision because they're the only one there. We're watching from afar. Uh, he says, it's, I, don't, you know, I don't agree with everything he says, okay? He, he's throwing in Buddhist theory with personal, opinionated, personal opinions. Like, it's not possible for a person to advise another. Of course it's possible. <laughs> People do it all the time. People advise another. Sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's foolish advice. Sometimes it's requested. Sometimes it's not requested but given anyway so there you know countless variations here obviously people can advise others to better way um, but he's really saying be careful as to what you think is right and wrong uh, look deeper to determine raw, right or wrong action of another and um, there's much we don't know about the more about the nature, the moral intention, the, the the moral intention of people in their activity. There's much we don't know, indeed. Now, the I'll close this out because we got a we're at the end of the page, even though we're a little over time. Um, maybe I can end this in fifteen ten minutes. The last section on the page is called relative weights of karma. 
this is really in interesting stuff. And so even though I disagree with him in here and there, I really appreciate what he's done to put these pages together. It's a major piece of work and um, really, really helpful. Um, you know, on par with the, the work done by Tanisaro Biko, I'd say. And these guys are Buddhist scholars and some things they know better than me, for sure. Certainly about text and um, the meaning of text in some cases. Final section, relative weights of karma. And remember, which you probably don't remember, Ross said early on in the contact that the purpose of their making contact was not simply providing information, but providing a relative weighting of information. Meaning, uh, providing information uh, based on the reality that some information is more important than others. And nearly no one in the raw who studies the raw material knows that, um, which is um, raw implicitly weighted certain information they gave above and as more important than others. Certainly, as they didn't answer all Don's questions, uh, we gave a demonstration of that, but that's really minor, because they spoke freely about Orion and history and Giza pyramid uh, geometrics. But actually, early on, they, they stated that what's really most important are the principles of soul evolution, not the minutiae or transit information of uh, history, and um, you know, pyramid construction, or the meaning of bird image and the, the robe covering the knee in the tarot cards, that critically, uh, in teaching the law of one, their uh, sense of their purpose in present in speaking through Carlisle through Alan L, was to offer their view on the proper weighting of information in which principles of soul evolution, right? Healing and balance, understanding catalyst and pre-programmed, uh, you know, catalytic uh, purpose, life experience uh, as uh, the way of seven chakra evolution, mind-body-spirit evolution, that that immaterial, that information is much more important than the transient information that they also spoke freely uh, to, to Don's questions on. Uh, this is something that, that very few spiritually minded people understand that some information is really more essential than others, other information for our own long-term welfare and benefit. And here we're doing a relative weighting of kama or karma. Point number one of only two or three points, which I won't get fully into. He goes on, he continues, he says, one critical problem many people have is that they try hard to avoid actions with relatively small comic consequences while unknowingly doing things that have stronger comic consequences. That's why this section is all in bold. Let us take an example. Suppose we have a large tank of water which is losing water due to many holes at the bottom. Some holes are pinholes, some are a little larger, and there are a few holes that are big and losing water fast. Obviously, one would want to plug those large holes first. Then one would fix the medium-sized holes and then those pinholes that are the last to be fixed. So, the um, relative weighting of distortion, or tendencies of mind, body, spirit, or thought, word, and deed, the relative, the relative strength of distortion, or karmic 
uh, liability we're creating for ourselves to suffer in the future done by uh, continuing patterns of thought, word, and deed, uh, taking care of those that are most harmful and, and changing our ways is more important than little, smaller matters that have less consequence. And that's where we get into the veganism, which he'll talk about down, down the line later. He says, relative weights of ten immoral acts are not easy to quantify. However, we can clearly see that kaya sankara have higher comic potential, quote, compared to vachi sankara if they're directed to the same living being. Hurting someone physically is worse than verbal abuse. Right. So kaya sankara or body um, wrong actions of body have a stronger karmic uh, weight liability, um, harmful consequentiality, harmful set of consequences, or set of harmful consequences, more harmful than speech, and speech more than thought. You can really hurt somebody with your speech, but you will really hurt yourself strongly by killing or physically beating people regularly, or even once. But uh, the greater karmic liability is from wrong action performed in body, um, less so, but still substantial, um, wrong action committed by, by speech, meaning wrong speech, meaning hurting with your mouth. Thirdly, uh, action, wrong actions in mind, meaning patterns of desire or strong lust in mind and greed, hatred, anger in mind, you know, not performed by physical activity uh, or speech. Uh, and the various wrong views, you can say have less karma, comic potential, potential, spelled it wrong, uh, than speech and behavior. However, <laughs> the root, as he said this, the root of um, wrong activity, wrong actions, you know, wrong action and wrong speech, let's just say, you know, harmful activity of body, harmful activity of speech, wrong speech, wrong action. The basis of that is wrong thought, <laughs> is trouble in the mind or distortions in the mind. So thinking uh, in and of itself, uh, distorted thought uh, has the weakest karmic consequence. However, it's the basis for those activities of body and speech that have far greater karmic consequence to harm us if indeed it's wrong speech, wrong action. All right. Another example Say someone has hateful thoughts of a particular person all day long. That could be worse than just saying something to that person and, quote, getting the load off the mind, meaning getting it out. However, even that is not necessary. The best solution is to develop metta, loving kindness towards that person, and get rid of those hateful thoughts. We always need to realize that we are all trapped in this constant struggle to find happiness in a world that is not set up to provide lasting happiness. And that's the other page, Anicca Dukkha Anatta. <clears throat> That's just what I was saying earlier today, that by the nature of the 3D veiled mind, 3D space-time veiled mind, by the nature of um, this dimensionality, 3D physical space-time as Kamaloka, as um, all things arising, passing away, all things subject to all phenomena, including mind states subject to impermanence and uh, being of the nature of insubstantial, uh, anatta, selfless, 
or nothing really there, nothing solid abiding really inside the change, um, because of the nature, the, the ontological nature of 3D space-time and the um, you know ontological nature of the 3D space-time mind we're using. By their very nature, um, this world is not set up to provide lasting happiness. Bing, bing, bing. That's the point that I, I was trying to talk about earlier on today. Uh, and so because of that, it's called Kamaloka, and beings have um, continually arising desire, uh, as well as aversion. Um, but um, it's um, the, the evaluation of karmic consequences is very subtle. It's doable, partially, generally not fully, except for a fully enlightened being. Um, but saying something um, not to, you know, mortal, not, not, not to emotionally traumatize, but because you're really upset, to just say, I hate you, is not the same as saying, you know, you're, you're a fuckhead animal that, that, that will die and go to hell forever. You know, <laughs> one is a little bit more devastating than the other. And um, <laughs> you know what to say if you want to really accumulate bad karma, but hurt a stupid soul. Uh, <clears throat> he's saying that, you know, to say, um, to, to express wrong speech, in a, a, like, like, I hate you, is actually not as bad as holding hateful thoughts about someone or something all day long. So in that case, the consequences, the consequences of wrong thought or unhelpful thought, such as associated with anger aversion, can be worse than saying something. And so people need to really grow up about karma and, what's, and the different weights of um, wrong action, uh, evaluating uh, the proportional, a proportional, um, careful, discerning, approach to wrong action, wrong speech, uh, understanding that uh, they're not all of equal weight and consequence, therefore, and it's very subtle. And so he'll talk about that later as the difference between uh, intending to kill an animal versus mistakenly uh, destroying a spider web cleaning your, your bathroom. These things are very subtle, and people who you know, understand, accept the reality of karma, multi-incarnationality, um, can take the next step to discern uh, the subtle weighting of, of karmic activity. Number two, and I'll, I know I'm going so over time, but we're almost at the end. Karmic consequences also depend strongly on the, quote, consciousness level of the living being against whom the immoral act was committed. And so, if we're talking about the evaluation of karmic consequences, karmic, karmic, same, uh, we need to talk about also the nature, the, the relative level of development of the being that is acted upon, as well as the being that's doing the action. Actually, you know, Don Elkins committed suicide, but I don't think he went to hell. Another person goes, does a suicide, and yeah, stays in the lower astral for a few centuries. So, it's not only who you act upon, but who are you in, uh, as the actor, doing, you know, creating karma. And he's saying killing a human, so now we're talking about the, the relative level of the one acted upon, particularly in a wrong speech or wrong behavior, right? Wrong action, wrong speech. 
he makes the point killing a human will have far more stronger far more stronger consequences or far stronger consequences compared to killing an animal and also killing a big animal for the hell of it is um, more karmically um, debt debt incurring than mistakenly killing a spider in the web or mistakenly you know or or you know washing down the wall so the ants you know go out the sink uh, rather than build new homes in your wall which i have as a regular feature of my life here so uh, there are gradated you know consequence uh, the karmic consequences of wrong action wrong speech particularly are graded meaning they're relative to intention and the consciousness of the actor the consciousness of the one or the beings acted upon and there's a whole page how to evaluate weights of different comma so <laughs> we could do that we can stay with uh, puredama.net for the next uh, six months here uh, but it's you know even though I disagree with him repeatedly I have a, a lot of appreciation for what he's done uh, because this is the template upon which we can look into these ideas very deeply and they're all very interesting and really quite important Number three, at the end, dasa akusala, meaning the ten immoral or wrong or unskillful actions, and the relative weights of different kama are discussed in the following dasana, meaning his presentation. And this is in the post, Root of All Suffering, Ten Immoral Actions, where you can find the relevant posts mentioned. So it's great that he spends so much time looking into morality and karmic formation, and wrong views and uh, wrong action so the wrong action includes wrong view uh, and uh, the short of it is materialists by that view you know the, the confirmed convicted materialist I call them convicted <laughs> they're convicted to um, uh, the apayas self-convicted to the lower realms materialists um, who then naturally fall into wrong speech, wrong action, often, meaning they're not necessarily um, uh, ethical humanists. They are unethical materialists, often, often. The convicted ones who are self-convicted on their way to the lower realms after death. Uh, looking at all that, I think it's very important to figure out what the heck's going on around us, you know? Because really, a lot of people around us um, are more or less materialists. Most are probably not convicted, meaning convicted, uh, having conviction that their materialist views are beyond question. I know I'm absolutely right. Most people are probably not that way, but the people leading society maybe, <laughs> or the minions of the occultists at the top are that way. So black occultists use nihilists and materialists to, um, you know, move towards planetary enslavement. You can take that to the bank. <laughs> but, you know, um, their day shall pass. This is the end time. So next time, uh, probably we'll look at a page called The Five Precepts, which is another way of looking at right action or avoiding wrong action. Uh, and we probably will also go into the page how to evaluate weights of different comma, but not next time. Uh, there's so much 
uh, to look at here. He's done a great job with so many interesting discussions. Uh, and I hope it's been helpful to you. Um, I hope you don't mind me getting hot and heavy sometimes. But, you know, th this is the, the mental atmosphere here is so thick with ignorance and um, convicted wrong view that, um, you know, sometimes I just feel real so frustrated. <laughs> it's like it's like cutting through cobwebs of of, um, of self-inflicted um, self-inflicted uh, turbidity or, or, you know, ignorance and avoidance. It's just. The, the fog of, of human ignorance is really thick, you know. <laughs> we're talking, I mean, love is good. We're, now we're not just talking about love or self-healing. We're talking about right view and wisdom discernment. So this is hopefully a love and unity-based uh, exercise training um, journey into Blu-ray discernment wisdom. That's the point of uh, rectification of views, right? The work of developing right view. That's what we're doing here. That's what study is significantly all about. Uh, but here we're studying, um, you know, the nature of view, whether it's helpful, harmful, and the nature of comic, karmic formation, and the nature of... Um, the path as opposed to what prevents us from development on the path. So anyway, I hope it's been helpful. Thanks for hanging on so long. I hope it was useful. Take good care of yourselves and good night.